History has clearly shown that Christ is required to overcome the natural tendency of powerful forces to destroy God-given rights, including the right to hear and speak His truth. Welcome to Biblical Citizen, Let's Roll, with Kathleen and Brian Melanakis. Kathleen is an author and retired registered nurse, and her husband Brian is a former company president. Kathleen and Brian are here to discuss current events from a biblical worldview and how we as believers can be salt and light in our culture and in the political arena. Biblical Citizen Let's Roll seeks to educate and activate Christians at the grassroots level, helping them to live out their responsibility to influence civic affairs for good. Now, here are your hosts, Kathleen and Brian Melanakis on K-Praise. Hello, Biblical Citizens. I got to say, for one more week, it's just going to be Brian. Unfortunately, perhaps, Kathleen is still a little bit under the weather, getting over what, what she has, but uh, which isn't completely diagnosed, but she's feeling a lot better, and we expect her back next week. So in recent programs, we've been talking about all the things happening in our country, the election, in our state of California. Today, we're going to bring it closer to home, San Diego County. And you know, many of the decisions that really affect our daily lives are made in he- here in this area, and many of them by the San Diego County Board of Supervisors. In November, we saw a shift on the board as people that are identify as Democrat now have a three to two majority, although it is a nonpartisan board, so they don't run as as partisans. In the East County District, which runs from Lemon Grove in the south to Poway in the north, and all points east. We were very happy to see the election of former state Senator Joel Anderson, and that's who we're going to be talking with. Just a little background. Joel was born in Detroit, Michigan, which actually was the same place I was born, but moved to California many years ago. And after four years of service in the state assembly in East County, Joel was elected to the state Senate, representing over a million constituents. He was reelected in 2014 and had a number of notable achievements. He was elect, He was named, I should say, California State Senate Legislator of the Year by the California Small Business Association and the California Small Business Roundtable for all the things he did to help businesses get back on their feet after the financial crash. He's really set a tone of being able to work in an outnumbered situation, uh, work with the opposition, and still get a lot of things done. For example, while in the Senate, he authored a bill which passed the Senate and Assembly unanimously and was signed into law by Governor Jerry Brown. It closed a loophole that was allowing convicted criminals to get out of paying restitution to the victims of their crimes. Another bill Senator Anderson did was with Senator Ted Lieu, very liberal from Los Angeles. He passed a bill to restrict the state from working with the federal government on collecting personal electronic information if the state had knowledge that it was unconstitutional. So those sound like good things to me. In November, Joel was elected to the San Diego County Board of Supervisors, District 2, an an office previously held by Diane Jacobs. Welcome, Joel. Thank you so much, Brian. And uh, uh, please uh, let uh, Kathleen know that we're, we're pulling for her. I certainly will, and she'll be glad to hear that. So for the benefit of our audience, let's really start with the basics. What is the San Diego County Board of Supervisors, and what do you see as your key responsibilities? So it has 
probably the most influence on our quality of life. Uh, for the unincorporated areas, uh, like Alpine, Ramona, Fallbrook, we control all the land use. Uh, for uh, this COVID issue, uh, it's the, where the chief health medical officer comes from the county. Now, every city can increase uh, the enforcement, but the county is ultimately responsible for laying the base work based on what the state requires. So we have a tremendous influence. When you think in terms of the homeless issue, when you think in terms of mental health, we're on the forefront of services for those types of items. So it really makes a huge impact. Now, if you, if you live in the city of San Diego, we really don't have a lot of impact on you. But if you live in the unincorporated areas, it's, it's huge. Yeah, and many of us, including me, do live in those un- unincorporated areas. Now, the pieces of legislation I referred to in the intro, they were both co-authored with some strongly liberal Democrats, while you, I think it's fair to say, Joel, have been a consistent social and economic conservative. We've talked before, and just just one other thing. Uh, We've talked before, you pride yourself, I believe, on being able to work with Democrats. You've worked in an outnumbered situation isn't it fair to say your entire legislative and now on the board of supervisors yet you still get things done so i i started as a pro-life activist and uh one of my frustrations is uh, i i've never not been in the minority in much of my career i was in the super minority and there's two schools of thought you can say well it's me i'm not going to engage i'm just going to I'm just going to say how bad everything is and not do the work. But you know what? People in my district deserve representation. So I looked at bad situations and I thought, how can I mitigate the harm? How can I, how can I find common ground that we both agree on? You know, when your uh, privacy is being invaded by uh, the federal government, standing up and saying no, without a warrant, Without probable cause, you don't have a right to run a file on me. That's a good thing. I wrote, I also, you may not know this, I wrote the privacy law on your cell phone. Here in California, we have some of the best laws based on what I did with Mark Leno from San Francisco. So I think it's important not just to accept defeat, but to engage in a way that makes things better. I want to lift the people in my community. Uh, As a pro-life activist, I fought for every life. I still believe that. I still fight for it. And that means that I can't willingly allow harm to occur that I can change. Yeah, I I appreciate I think we all appreciate that philosophy. And I think as people listening on this show that want to get more active, I think that's a good example for us as well. Now, you've only been on the county board for a few weeks earlier this month, and I noticed that you already got – what looks like to me an important measure approved that you proposed that relates to industry-specific COVID lockdowns needing to be based on actual scientific data. What a concept. And uh, I know I've read quite a bit that, for example, all these restaurants have been closed, churches have been closed, and there's precious little or no data that indicates that COVID is really spreading in that manner. So tell us about this measure that you got approved and what does it really mean? So um, uh, as we look at it, every time someone says, why is this closed? People say, follow the science. 
follow the science. No one's ever cited the science that I'm aware of, at least not publicly. So I added a resolution, uh, added to the resolution three amendments. First, that they would cite the science before they enforced, that enforcement would be consistent and fair, that we wouldn't target one business more than another. When you're going through, I always ask myself, why, when I walk through a big box, it seems willy-nilly loose, but my mom-and-pop shop is closed. Right. Is it because... They have high, high-end attorneys to push back, and the mom-and-pop shop doesn't. Look, nobody that I'm aware of in business has a business plan that includes killing their customers. Nobody wants to be open because they intend to kill their customers. It's not a business plan that has any future. So let's start talking about this in a way that we want to solve it. I have two friends that passed away from covid And uh, so I understand it's really bad. I also understand that if we don't get to herd immunity, we're never going to get past this and we're going to live in this uh, hell that we're in today. And I so we have to have a path that makes sense for too long. It's looked like political science is ruled the day, not medical science. So the second the third thing is the county had to publish it on their website and they've done that. But now businesses and individuals, everybody listening to your show, can go to the website and they can refute that science by sending the county better science. But until somebody cited what the science was, we were fighting a ghost. Right. You know, everybody can just say, follow the science, follow the science. So while it doesn't seem like much initially, we now have a basis to go to court and push back. Because even when they went to the court and they lost, uh, the judges never said, show us the exact science. Instead, they trusted, follow the science. Now we have hard science to push back on in a framework uh, for a future that we can anticipate and look to. And even in on the website, it says they're shutting down restaurants based on opinion, not science. So that should, that should you know, I can't fix everything myself, but if I can add transparency, then the Restaurant Association and others can step up and file the lawsuits necessary to, to allow them to open. But when it was only follow the science, there was nothing in writing that we could turn to. So that was, in my mind, and by the way, uh, I just got heat in my office today. Uh, our computers and my phone got turned on last week. Uh, I literally am three weeks on the job, and we are, I mean, everywhere I look, is a crisis and we're doing our best And anybody who has in your that's listing who's called my office and we returned your call. It's not because we don't want to. It's because we're overwhelmed because we were allowed into the computer system or the phone system until recently. Got it. So I, I just want to make sure that we'll get to you uh, at some point, but uh, that's why I did what I did because I was, I was just tired of following the science and there was no science. Right. And uh, also, I think the public health authorities have not seemingly given enough attention to all the negative health consequences of the lockdowns, like increased suicides, increased drug spousal abuse, drug use, and and a whole host of things that I don't seem like, at least verbally, they're not giving a lot of attention to. But we're coming up in a little bit to the break, and I want to touch under... One other question, which you and I have talked about a little bit, and it was a vote that took place this week on the 27th. It had to do with um, 
marijuana use or marijuana sales in unincorporated areas of the county, but I understand it was really authorizing to to study it uh, to get more. Um, could you explain a little bit what? Yeah, get more information. The vote was four to one, so in this case, you voted with a four. But what what exactly was discussed or what was decided this week? So uh, this, uh, I'm glad you asked me because this uh, story has been. Uh, uh, published and it's absolutely incorrect. Yesterday, the county's employees are not allowed to do anything that the, the Board of Supervisors doesn't authorize. And so yesterday, they authorized allowing the county staff to take public input over the next 90 days to look at uh, creating an ordinance uh, for marijuana. Today, it's legal in unincorporated areas of San Diego County to have a pot shop. So the notion that this opens up pot shops isn't correct. It's already there. So for the last few years, we've had pot shops, but it was a pilot program that ends in 2022. So they want to research how to improve it moving forward. I use that as an opportunity to, to add a half a million dollars to the sheriff's budget to enforce shutting down illegal pot shops and pot growing. In my district, we have five pot shops. They're currently legal, but we have dozens that are illegal and they're all over the place and they're not being enforced. And I'm hoping over the next uh, three weeks that we start, we're locking down now that we have additional resources to lock it down. But I would encourage everybody to contact their supervisor or contact the county and let them know where they stand on what it should look like. The second thing is I made a motion. I mean, I'm putting uh, uh, an amendment into that motion that said we should study a thousand feet from sensitive areas. So currently under state law, it only requires 600 feet from schools, not parks, not daycare, not churches, I want to look at a thousand feet, making it much stricter, and I want to look at more sensitive areas so we can mitigate this. Look, I never voted for pot uh, my entire career in the legislature, and I was outspoken against the proposition. But that's not my job. We have pot. The question is, do we want to use this opportunity to make the laws stronger and, and more effective to protect our community? Do we want to increase the money? to shut down illegal shops or do we want to let the board majority to decide for us and dictate to us i chose to engage and i chose to put a framework that i think will make my community better i think the way you explained it joel i can understand it and i think others will understand it we're at a break right now but stay tuned we're going to discuss homelessness transportation other things that affect our daily lives There is more Biblical Citizen. Let's roll. Still to come on K-Praise. Welcome back to Biblical Citizen. Let's roll. Now, here are your hosts, Kathleen and Brian Melanakis on K-Praise. We are back with County Supervisor Joel Anderson. Joel, I understand that one of your priorities, again, got to confirm because not everything I read is... Not everything I read is real news, but I've read that one of your priorities is to address homelessness in San Diego. So 
Tell us a little bit about that. Do we have any recent numbers? Are the numbers of homeless on the street going up or down in San Diego? And do you have some ideas about what we might do better? Well, I haven't I haven't started on this issue because I'm three weeks on the job. And I, I, I don't need science. To, all I have to do is look left and right, and I can see that homelessness has gotten worse. It's not gotten better. If you think over the last decade, our streets are much more full, full of homelessness, and a lot of it has to do with the policies that we have, you know, uh, when you're living on the brink. And there's, when we think in terms of homelessness, there's not one stereotype. There, it, there's all walks of life. We know that uh, alcoholism, drug abuse can lead to homelessness. We know that uh, poor people, they're living in their cars uh, because rents are so high, cost of living so high here. If, if you miss one paycheck because perhaps you're sick, you may end up in the streets because you're living that close to the limit. And let me just say, uh, if you took El Cajon, it's the second poorest city in San Diego County. The average household income, this is the household income for El Cajon, according to Sandeg, is $45,000. The, the, the poorest city is National City. Then you have that contrast with Poway, in La Jolla, you know, in 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 uh, Del Mar right. and other areas, yeah. And so, so when you when you miss your pay and you have four or five kids and you're living in an apartment, you can see how somebody very quickly in 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 El Cajon could end up homeless. Now we have shelters that are doing an incredible job. Uh, if you look at the East County Transitional Living Center, if a person checks in there and stays for more than uh, for thirty days. They, they have a 92% chance of finishing the program, which takes from one to two years, and they leave the program with a job and a place to live. And if they have kids that were taken by Child Protective Services because they were on the streets, it may take as much as two years, but they reunite those families. Look, when your kids are reunited with you, you have more reason to stay off the streets. So these are all good things. So we've got programs that are working in a, in a great way, and then we have other programs that perhaps the return on investment is not so good. So I think one right. of the first things I want to do is try to create a benchmark of measurement. And then the second thing is I'm looking at ways that we can enforce the law without criminalizing uh, uh, homelessness. So, for example, we had veterans who are homeless, and when the DA goes to prosecute them, they give them a choice. They can go into rehab or they can go to jail. And they, and they offer them those choices, and and today the number of homeless veterans is an all-time low. And so I'm thinking, why aren't we taking some of those tactics and addressing them to homeless as a general? I don't. I hate to see our veterans on on the streets, but I hate to see anybody on the streets. Right. And I think that we have to give people a path that they can they can change their life if they choose to. Now, there's always going to be homeless, and there's always going to be people that don't think that they that they think it's perfectly okay to set up a camp in your front yard, and, and that's wrong. We're always going to have that element. But there's a lot of people that are slipping through the cracks because we haven't given them the steps. And I don't want the county to compete with uh, nonprofits and churches that are successful I want them to enhance and help. So, for so that example, bring, yeah, I wanted to bring up a point. I wanted to bring up a point in that regard. And by the way, I've done volunteer work with the homeless, and my I have a daughter who's worked full time with the homeless in San Diego for 
several years, and it's just as you say, there's many different kinds of homeless people. But I want to bring up an organization you may be familiar with, Solutions for Change, because Kathleen and I have done volunteer work with them. And briefly, they take, you mentioned reuniting kids with, with parents, which I think is so important because they deal with families and they take them, they give them housing and all the food and everything for 13 months and they gain new job skills. But the government funding for them, and I don't know if it was county funding or state funding, but it was cut off last year because they don't allow drug use in their facilities and they require residents to make certain behavioral changes, which I think kind of goes against this so-called housing first uh, philosophy, which is just give them housing and forget about the rest. At least that's how it seems to me. I mean, do you have any thoughts on that? Yes, that's why I want to benchmark it. So those programs, are they as successful as East County transitional living, where 92% of the people are taken off the streets? Are they that successful? See, we're funding and doing stuff, but we're not collecting the data to find out what's successful or not. And look, I'm not I'm not saying that I have all the good ideas. What I'm saying is no one's measuring it in a meaningful way that we can make those decisions. So the first step is to create those benchmarks. And by the way, I've heard nothing but awesome things about that organization. This, this first year, I want to meet with all those groups. I don't want to go out willy-nilly, come up with a policy that doesn't change or solve things. I want to take my time because homelessness has been here for more than a decade in a magnitude that's absolutely outrageous and unacceptable. How can we allow our brothers and sisters to live in that object poverty and not offer to help them in a meaningful way? And I'm tired of throwing money at issues so so that some folks can sleep at night. I'm not going to sleep a wink until we offer programs that work. And so I think the measurement is crucial. I think the study to find out who's out there, get their input, and include them as part of the solution, and then move forward with a plan in baby steps and, and maybe a pilot program. But one of the things that I'd love to do is Joel, I got, a triage I, center. Okay. I, I, got, I got a couple other things I want to touch on in very limited time. I see already that I wish we had an hour and a half, but... Since this show is for biblical citizens, can you tell us just briefly something about your personal faith and how your faith influences what you do as a leader in the public square? Yes, absolutely. It's so much easier to be a conservative who says no to everything and martyr myself, and everybody would love me, but the world would be worse off. Jesus calls me to change and make things better. Jesus calls me to lift my brothers and sisters in my community. It calls me to make those tough decisions, and it also forces me to talk with people I disagree with. It's so much easier to close out people that you disagree with and not bother. You know, we choose news stations that we only want to listen because they agree with us. I'm not going to ever change anything unless I talk and listen to people I disagree with. I can't do that without Jesus' love. I can't do that without the Spirit. So, look, uh, I don't, my goal as a parent is to make sure that my kid's soul is saved. My goal for me is to make sure my soul is saved. And that may mean that I take a beat down for doing what I think is right. 
But at the end of the day, I'm only accountable to one. Joel, I think that's wonderfully stated. Uh, my wife and I are big fans of yours, and um, just look forward look forward with great anticipation to your term uh, term or terms as county supervisor. And we're really running out of time. But is there anything we can do? I people, is it not true that people can, people can participate in these supervisor meetings online? Can't they submit questions or even even make comments? Yeah, we we only have about thirty seconds left, though. Uh, here's the deal. I want to fix it. If you have a problem, call my office. I want to fix it. Uh, I'm a little slow because my phones are just starting. Give me a little time, but don't think I can't help you. Pick up the phone. Give me a chance. I want to fix it. Well, I'm sure many will take advantage of that because you're good at following up. Thanks so much, Joel, for taking time out of your very busy schedule to meet with us today. I think it's been very informative. Thanks a lot. Hey, thank you for having me on. It's a pleasure. To bless your neighbor this week, I'm going to follow up with this. Look up on the meeting calendar for San Diego County Board of Supervisors. You can see in advance what the agendas are, what topics they're discussing, and you do have the opportunity to participate. I understand meetings are held every Tuesday and Wednesday at 9 a.m., so keep that in mind. Until next week, bye-bye. Thanks for joining us for Biblical Citizen. Let's roll. Join us next week at this same time as Kathleen Melanakis, author and retired registered nurse, and her husband, Brian Melanakis, former company president, explore the deeper issues and spiritual forces behind the news and how we as believers can be salt and light in our culture and in the political arena. Biblical Citizen Let's Roll seeks to educate and activate Christians at the grassroots level, helping them to live out their responsibilities to influence civic affairs for good. Next week, we will cover more major news happening from the view of the biblical citizen. To learn more about the show, how to become a guest or sponsor, send an email to biblicalcitizen at gmail.com. That's biblicalcitizen at gmail.com. This has been Biblical Citizen. Let's roll on K-Praise.